one of the online catalogs that is fairly popular in English libraries is BiblioCommons, and you can put things on your read it later shelf. And at this point, for one library, I have nearly 5,000 books. And I just checked, and like, even at my reading speed, that's about 25 years of reading. So maybe I could like take some things off. only we could take our love of reading to a new level. Well, I've always wanted to start a book club. Book club! For masochists and other deviants. Hello and welcome to the book club for masochists, where we read and discuss all the genres and types of literature, regardless of our actual interest in them. Every month, we read books from a new, randomly picked genre. Then on the podcast, we discuss our reading choices, experiences, opinions, appeal factors, and other related topics as friends and library workers. It's episode 190, and it is time for us to discuss our 2024 reading goals. Or everybody else's reading goal. Except mine. (laughs) No goals, no masters. Yeah! (sighs) My name is Jam. I'm a librarian in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stolo people. My name is Matthew. I'm a librarian in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA. And my name is Anna, and I'm also a librarian in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA, which is the traditional and ancestral homelands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute nations and peoples. My name is Megan. I'm an archivist. I live and work on the unceded traditional territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe. This is also known as the National Capital Region of Canada. Just in time to Miss Valentine's Day, we have an announcement, which is that we have another book list. That's right. We have a book list in the show notes of this episode, uh, and on our website you will find romance books by authors of color, by BIPOC authors, by Black, Indigenous, and People of Color authors, uh romance just this is a retroactive book list this is from a time we did an episode that the genre was just romance any and all romance so uh there there should be a good blend of of different kinds of romance there for you to check out and yeah hopefully no hopefully i did not miss any repeats from our previous episode which i which also had a romance uh book list so twice twice as much romance we're extending the romance season a little bit longer. Until morale improves. <laughs> I was going to say, we're very loving this year. Yep, the romance will continue until morale improves. Do we have any other announcements? Why are we doing our reading resolutions in late February? I don't know. Why? I don't remember. <laughs> the reason is that we're now um, only doing these non-genre episodes every second month. And so there was no episode in January for us to do our reading resolutions. Scheduling. Yeah, scheduling is the reason why. Also, we were traveling, yeah. Oh my gosh, we had COVID. We, there was no chance we would have been able to record an episode uh, late ja- for late January. Also, I thought it was funny to do this because having it at this point means we could have already failed our first set of resolutions, reading <laughs> resolutions for the year, and then started into our second set of reading resolutions for the year. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I have the opposite problem where I was like, oh, I've got so much time to to figure out my reading resolution because we're not recording till February uh, that uh, I, I kept putting off planning something for this episode. 
Well, first, I think we can go and look at our reading resolutions for last year. Does anyone remember what our resolutions for 2023 were? And if we kept them or not? I re-listened to last year's episode and I have the list in front of me. I'm glad one of us did. (laughs) We totally (laughs) planned for this. (laughs) I also rewatched our goth Pokemon stream, which (laughs) we should do another Pokemon ranking stream at some point. Um, Maybe we could match like Pokemon to genres that we've done. I re-listened to the episode from last year, but all I remember is my own vague promises to read more of my own books, which I did not do, but I at least managed not to borrow 150 books from the libraries again. So, you know, that's like 50% win right there. 149 books. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jam, you have the list. Did you want to Hmm. begin? I guess let's start with Anna's. Sure. Um, Yeah, Anna had some pretty concrete ones. Really? Wow. Pretty concrete, but pretty achievable. Like, like much more um, about, uh, well, well, yeah, I will just say what they are. So, uh, and I had two. One was read more graphic novels. Yep. Remember that. Didn't do it, but I remember that that was one of the things I said. <laughs> and the other one that I had totally forgotten about, but is such an interesting idea. Take pictures of your favorite year reads from the year. Didn't do that either at all. No, not even a little. I feel that I can't even remember. Like, no, no. Yeah. When we we recorded that episode, we did not know that I would be here. No, that's true. Mm. Yeah. There are, yeah, there's a lot of things we didn't know yet about what this year would be like. But yes, I I didn't do either of those. And I knew, I like, I actually forgot about the take pictures one. I wish I had remembered that. Not that I think it mattered too much because I had such a bad reading year that, like, what would I have taken pictures of? I don't know. Yeah, it, like my toes. I don't know. <laughs> Your favorite YouTube videos. I guess. My favorite video games of the year. But like the the graphic novels one, I did remember that I had said, and I just all year long was like, you should just read a graphic novel. They're not that long. You can read them pretty quickly. Did I ever follow through on that feeling or thought? Nope. I think I read less graphic novels this year than I usually do. The house is filled with them. I know. (laughs) Too much pressure. You got the shoulds. Yeah. I I don't think it's pressure, for me at least. At least not from me. No, self-pressure. Okay, understandable, yes. The thing on herself to read more graphic novels, and thus, therefore, it became a block. Because then you're like, oh, I should do that. But I don't want to because it's a should instead of... Yes, quite. Megan understands my thing, my... Totally logical thinking. <laughs> there were definitely a couple of times when you like looked at ones that I had and were like, I should read that. And then you did not read that. Yes. Yes. This anyway, is the thing I'm that happened. shocked you had any to begin with. Yeah. So who's next on the list, Jam? Um, well, Anna was in the middle. Uh, so I'm just going in, in random order. Uh, I, can, I can mention mine. Um, the, this is from the show notes. Uh, one is just the theme for the year intention, which I guess I was carrying into reading as well, like choosing things intentionally. Did I do that? I don't really know. <laughs> I think I think I did well by that theme in general. Um, I'm still using those those notepads that I uh, that I mentioned that that I make to do lists on make, make intention lists, um, but. Uh, 
yeah, I'm not sure how I did vis-a-vis reading. One that's not on here is I think I talked about reading more manga. I kind of did that. I, I think I read more manga this past year than I have in, in years, in, in the last several years. So uh, that one's all right. Uh, my last one was tracking my picture book reading, like keeping track on on Goodreads. Did I do that? I would have to look at my uh, Goodreads. So we can talk about someone else's. Uh, Matthew, you only had one. It was to read more nonfiction. Well, first, I'm going to say, Jam, that if you want to read more manga still this year, mm-hmm. I can give you uh, the list. I made a list of all of the manga and manhwa um, comics from Yalsa's great graphic novels for teens list. Sure. So you can take a look at that and they might be the ones that are more relevant to for your job at least. Sure. I also know someone who was on the committee for that. So I could also ask them. I guess I also co-wrote an article about manga for teens that was published last year in BC. Yeah, with the person that I know who's on the committee. So really, you have no excuse. We would get the deliveries for of the graphic novel nominees for that list at our at our workplace. <laughs> Ideal. So my resolution to read more nonfiction, I succeeded. I th- I went back and checked, and I think my goal was to read at least one nonfiction book a month that was not for the podcast. And I believe I finished the year with thirteen. Uh, so I I checked that off, one hundred percent success rate. However, uh, for those that remember the favorite reads, best of the year podcast episode from a couple months ago, you'll note that I didn't read any fiction last month year. So all of my fiction reading turned into nonfiction reading. So not as successful in that regard. Unintentional trading occurred. Yeah, unintentional. And I think a secondary thing is that I went from a job where I walk to work every day uh, to a job where I go into work much less frequently and work from home a lot more often. So I lost a lot of my audiobook time as well last year. So that is also that also greatly affected my audiobook consumption, which was not an, a resolution or anything, but just something that I, I I noticed. I'm just like, oh, this has gone dramatically down. That's fair. I guess you could take small walks before work, even when you work from home. But no, <laughs> just, just putting suggestions out there. Before work implies that he actually wakes up any significant amount of time before he actually must in order to be on the job. <laughs> I have a I have a quick answer to did I keep track of my picture book reading? Looking at my Goodreads, uh, I had recorded two picture books last year. <laughs> Uh, in January and in May. So uh, no, though also I didn't, I ended up working with teens. I thought I was going to start a job working in children much sooner uh, than I actually did. I ended up working in teens much longer. So let's focus on how much manga I read and not (laughs) how poorly I kept track of picture books that I looked at. Um, Megan had two goals from last year. Uh, the first one was quit trying to read fiction when she doesn't feel like it. Just give up on books. How did that go? I I wanted to give up on pressuring myself to read fiction, which I feel like I probably managed to do. I did have a fairly difficult first couple months of the year reading anything whatsoever, um, if I recall correctly. So maybe that was, that was fine. Uh, I know I picked up I found a couple different authors and series that I loved around the middle of the year. And so read a lot of novellas 
and then felt much more like I was picking up books for the, for the enjoyment rather than feeling obligated. So in that sense, I feel like that was successful. I don't feel obligated to read fiction so much as, as recognize sometimes I just need to start the book to remember that I do actually like reading fiction, which is such a weird, like mental game to play with yourself. <laughs> yeah, I sympathize. I'm definitely in a similar space on that. Mm hmm. I feel like we're batting pretty good in terms of resolutions sort of met or accomplished. Kind of evenly done, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. The the second one from last year for Megan was read more of what you own and borrow less from the library, which we've already touched on a little, but Yeah. No, I didn't read anything in which the I already owned it. So mm. big big nope. For that one, didn't stop me from collecting more books. I have <laughs> bought a lot of books or found in little free libraries. So I continue to collect, not so much to read, which is fine, right? Yeah, it, that is, that's fine. It's a whole other hobby. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Those are unrelated hobbies, actually, it turns out. <laughs> Although I will say that this year, as my reading just consistently stayed really low throughout the year. Um, Last year. Last year, yes, this past year. Um, it, it was interesting that I, I stopped having the urge to go to bookstores or libraries quite as much because I just – it felt like such a, a, you know, like futile gesture. I would just end up with things that I would never read. I would borrow or buy, purchase new items and just not – maybe I'd get a page or two in and then stop with each of them. And eventually I just stopped craving like to buy new things. So I just felt bad about it. So I, this is actually one of the lowest years that I've had in terms of buying new books. I think part of that also comes from moving to a different city Yes, where you don't like the bookshop op options as much. Yeah. I don't like the, <clears throat> I haven't found a, a bookshop option locally here that I like nearly as much as my favorite one. Um, in Las Vegas. Las Vegas has one independent bookstore and it's awesome. It is called the Writer's Block and it is amazing. And it was like the ideal bookstore for me as a reader. It was a great bookstore. And I have not found a decent replacement for that option yet. At least it's not like an hour's drive away. Mm, that does make a difference. Sort of the, the bookish environment in which you're in. And the public libraries here are uh, like there's a lot fewer of them, so the selection is not as good as if you're in a in a in a city with a larger library system. So, would you say the the results of our past resolution has it affected what you might be thinking about doing for this year, or are they totally unrelated? So, one of my resolutions ties into one of your resolutions from last year, Megan, and my resolution from last year. Oh. I started a new job last year at a very large library that has a lot of books, and I borrowed a lot of books from that library, and there's some of them are still sitting in my office. Because I'm faculty, I have six months to check them out, and I hit the six-month mark on some of them, and they got renewed automatically, <laughs> and they're still in my office. So my resolution for the year is to finish those dang books that are still in my office. It's a good resolution. <laughs> so I, I'm not allowed to borrow any more from work until I read the ones that are already in my office. 
I was thinking about that recently because generally my my method with libraries is just to put a whole bunch of things on hold and then be stressed out because I need to make space because I don't have unlimited amount of books that I can take out anymore and then either read really quickly or return things I hadn't had a chance to get to. So I am trying with some measure of success to just leave everything on pause until I finish a few books and then release the holds for the for the spaces I know I'm freeing up immediately. This is a work in progress, <laughs> but I feel like it might help me actually read the books that I want to read. I will add, it's not like there's dozens of books in my office. Just, just to clarify, I think there's five and there's one or two at home. So it's not like that many. He has one out from my library, too. That's our Oh, that one. Renewed. I forgot about it entirely. Oh, no, yeah. I have to read that one. <laughs> I had to renew that one because I borrowed it for you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Does anyone else have uh, resolutions or intentions related to their relationship with the library? <laughs> Maybe. I feel like I, uh, for the podcast specifically, um, I want to check out fewer digital items that I'm not actually going to read um, because for this show, I, I check out a lot of things um, so then I have all of the options so I can like read the first few pages of something and then, and then pick whatever one has hooked me. Um, but uh, more and more, I'm, I'm not actually using the digital ones just because of different circumstances of life. Um, and unlike, I don't feel any guilt about checking out, print ones and then returning them because I'm just giving them a circulation stat. But for the digital ones, it's like someone else could have been using this. Uh, you know, it, we only get so many circulations of it. Um, I I should just not uh, not check this out unless I'm actually going to, to use it. I have one semi-related to that thing, which is that for some ebook services online – um, through the library, library ebook services, I have very long wish lists. I'm not sure, like favorites, whatever it is, things that I'm like, oh, I should read this at some point. And I've just been adding things to these lists for years, honestly. And so my resolution for this year is to read these books that are on this list. So uh, like specifically borrowing them one at a time and then reading them. And I say they're books, they're all comics. And so it's like, it's much easier for me. I can just be like, I'm going to read this today and then just finish it. Uh, and so I've actually, I've been doing that so far and I've been doing pretty well at it so far, uh, much to my surprise to some extent. Um, but we'll see how it goes for the rest of the year. I like, I don't know that, that like, that seems reasonable enough. Although one of the things that is preventing me from reading some of the digital comics I own, cause I own a lot of digital comics that I haven't read is not having a good device to read them on. And so I've been thinking about getting a tablet specifically to read comics on. And so if any of our listeners have suggestions, advice for a tablet to read comics on, please let me know. I'd, l I'd love to hear suggestions for a good tablet to read comics on. Two things. One, you really could use the advice because trying to pick this has actually been a conversation we've had for months now. So like, if anybody has advice... <laughs> Too. <laughs> not like it was a conversation we had several months ago and then nothing came from it. Yeah. It's not been going on for months. <laughs> uh, I couldn't make a decision and then we didn't, and then it just 
stopped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then two, how many different libraries are these electronic lists of books you might have put wish lists on coming from? I consolidated two of them to one. So now there's only two lists. And it's not different libraries. It's different library services. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like there's different platforms. And so one of them is on one platform and another is on a different platform. Okay. It used to be three. Now it's two. Although there's a third platform that I'm like, oh, do I do I even go and look at this one? I'm like, maybe I shouldn't even look at this platform. You just reminded me, Matthew, that on one of the online catalogs that is fairly popular in English libraries is BiblioCommons, and you can put things on your read it later shelf. And at this point, for one library, I have nearly 5,000 books. And I just checked, and like, even at my reading speed, that's about 25 years of reading. So maybe I could like, take some things off. (laughs) (laughs) The looks at all our faces. (laughs) Part of the reason I do it is because... When I'm like disassociating, I go through the new books list and click on read it later for things that aren't in the library yet. And then what you can do is you can click on available now for the read it later list and it shows you what's available in the individual library branches. So if I know I'm going to the main library, I can click on that list if I'm in the library and I have a little bit of space because I haven't, you know, put like 17 things on hold. Uh, for that particular day. And then I can be like, oh, this book that I thought I wanted to read is in the library right now. I can borrow it right now. So that's part of the reason. No, that's definitely how at least some of the graphic novels got on my list is I would go through every week and look at what the new the things they've added to the collection were. Because um, when you're looking at like a niche like that, it was feasible to just be like, I'm going to look through however many of these are, and I would just add anything that looked interesting to me to to this list. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at my own BiblioCommons BiblioCommons for later list right now, and I have 59 items, <laughs> um, and I would say probably about 90 percent of them are things for this podcast, either things for upcoming genres that like now I should just get rid of because we've already done those episodes, uh, and a lot it's it's a, a big tool I use when making the list of books by BIPOC authors. And I can flag things really quickly to come back to when I see them. Yeah, it's quicker than using the tagging system. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't have too many things on it, it's pretty easy to browse by like the covers afterwards. So it's it's a fairly useful tool, I feel. If you're not me, clearly. (laughs) If you don't have 5,000 items. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably a, a chunk of those that don't that have been removed from the library system already is the other thing that happens. Yeah, that's happened to me as well. Well, I stopped using, uh, and I, I don't keep track of TBR anywhere. Uh, so same kind of thing as I don't track my reading. I don't keep track of a TBR. I just, you know, what is the thing that I stumble across at the moment that I am going to read? Or can I remember it? If it, if I'm that motivated that I can keep this book in my mind, like there was one I, I wanted to read and I kept track of it for quite a while and I tried to go get it and I couldn't easily get it without doing Amazon because it was published in the UK and it just never got a, uh, printing in in North America, and so I when we traveled to Scotland, that was one of the few things on my list of like must dos is I needed to get a copy of that book because I managed to track 
that I wanted to read it for like a year uh, before that. So that that is how I do TBR now. If I can hold on to it and remember it and go get it, then I really wanted to get it. Anybody have other resolutions? I've got one other one that I was sort of deliberate about. I started thinking about it in December when I started looking at what the past year of reading had looked like. And I'd noticed something I think maybe I'd noticed before, but hadn't really thought too closely about, which is like StoryGraph, the reading tracking um, application website that I use to track, gives you a little pie chart for a bunch of different stats, one of which is the page count for the books that you're reading. And I'd say like, Generally, it's kind of a 50-50 split between, um, what are the categories? Like below 300 pages. Uh, the best length. <laughs> and then the next one is between um, a little over 300 to just under 500 pages is the next category. And the last category is 500 pages plus. So usually it's 50-50 between the two lower categories. And I have like two, three percent of my reading that happens in that 500 plus reading category. And I'd been thinking about how actually a lot of the reading that I'd done in that category I had really enjoyed. So for example, I read Stalingrad, I read uh, a biography about Laura Ingalls Wilder called Prairie Files that fires, prairie fires, um, that was in the 600 page realm. There was a biography of, uh, Edward Gorey, I think one time that was probably in the 500s. And I thought, well, if I'm enjoying reading these, like a little bit of a doorstopper, I don't feel like 500 pages is a doorstopper. I feel like you got to get up to about 800 pages, but it, in the sense that this is how they're tracking the reading. That was like my cutoff. I want to read more 500 plus page novels. So of course what this means is I get to put together an Excel sheet. <laughs> ah, like I have. Based on the books <laughs> that people recommend that are in the quote unquote long book category, which for me was 500 pages plus, but for a lot of other people were closer to a thousand pages. So the books on the, the Excel sheet uh, hover around a thousand pages for the most part. But as I'm going through, there's stuff that I want to read that I know is, is 500 page plus. So I add that kind of thing to the, to the list as well. And I had a couple of like filtering techniques for this list. Like if it's, uh, part of a series and it's not the first book, I'm not going to read it. If I've read it already, I'm, I'm probably not going to read it. Um, if it's the Bible, I'm probably not going to read it or any other religious text, let me be honest. So I went through, I got some sense of like, what were the, the genres of the books that had been recommended, whether it was historical fiction or sci-fi or whatever. Dark fantasy. <laughs> if they had like, a lot of them were quote unquote classics. And so I put like, what literary tradition it was coming from, and then whether or not I could find it in the library whatsoever. And then just put like little, little asterisks beside the books that I thought I would be most interested in reading, because this is not a, a like a self-improvement project. This is just me trying to indulge in uh, a reading area that feels like it, it could have a little bit more um, intention around. 
But then I revealed this plan to like my coworker group chat thing. And everybody was like, oh my God, War and Peace. I've always wanted to read War and Peace. So uh, the first book that I checked out was War and Peace. And I'm a quarter of the way in and I'm not like mad about it, but I like, it's going to take me a while. <laughs> I read that book for this podcast. I know. It took you a month. Uh, it, I, I described it as having like having a job. It took him a month of really dedicated effort to get through <laughs> it. Like he he like Matthew can be dedicated about things sometimes, and he just makes himself do it, and like a for reasons that are unclear because there is no particular reason you have to do this, but he will just make himself do these things, and this is one of those ones, and it was like having a job. Mm-hmm. Not worth it was my uh and and thought. If you want to read a long Russian book by uh, Tolstoy, Anna Karenina, read that one instead. All right. It's not as long, but it's still pretty long. I still want to chip away at it. I don't want to, uh, because I'm not letting it, um, I'm still reading a bunch of other stuff at the same time. I've got, I've, I, I don't usually do this, but I've got like eight books going at the same time. And then whatever mo- book I'm actually in the mood for, I chip away at. So, um, this is one book that I'm ending up buying because I borrowed it from the library and then took it back And because apparently everybody wants to read War and Peace this season. I don't know. Maybe they all made the same resolution or something um, and checked it out again. I think that's a common reading resolution is to read a cl- is to read one or more classics. It's something a lot of people do. And War and Peace is one of the big ones. There's a lot of short classics, though. You could have read a short one. You don't have to make that a resolution is the thing. People don't resolve to read like, oh, I'm going to read animal farm this year like that's not that hard maybe maybe anyway so i decided to buy a copy so i would have it on hand and i wouldn't have to like take because it's a big book like it's 1200 pages depends on the edition anyway it just strikes me uh that the books that you mentioned that were over 500 pages that you really loved and enjoyed were biographies and and yet you have selected a novel <laughs> well there was also stalingrad which was another mm. russian not from the same time period or of the same style so i wasn't like automatically been turned off by the idea of a of a novel and i do really enjoy like long science fiction mm. so that's the second book i have out right now because clearly I did not plan my my reading properly, but that's it. I'm like my my sort of vague goal around it is to try and hit one five hundred page plus book every two months. So it's not supposed to be a hassle, but we'll see how it goes. I've always kind of thought that libraries should give you longer checkout periods for really long books. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, you know, the three weeks or whatever they give you for a lot of these things just isn't feasible. Unless you're like treating it like a job with a deadline, which it has, but still, it's just like it, it can make it a not fun reading experience. When you're like, oh, I've got to get this done by like you know next Thursday. If it was the only book I had checked out, this would not be a problem, and the book would already be done. Anyway, that's my only like intentional reading goal for this year. So Anna did not buy any books last year. That bought some, not many. But I, upon moving to America decided that now is the time to order more books online because it was cheaper for several reasons. And so I ended up buying a lot of books online last year, um, including, like, I say a lot of books. I bought a lot of comics online last year. (laughs) 
but I also did buy a lot of pros. And so my initial resolution for this year was to read some of those books and and just get through them. It was stuff that had been on my to-read list for a long time. And I'm like, I just need to, 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 to get these ones done. However, that is now, it's been pushed to the wayside. I have a new reading resolution. That one has already failed. <laughs> and instead, because I realized I have bought in the last year, like nine books of short stories. I'm not a big short story reader, generally, but I bought a lot of them for whatever reason in the last year. And so I'm like, I need to read these ones specifically. I, I think I have I have nine of them or maybe 10 books of short stories. And so my goal for the year is to read those. So far, I have read one, not one book of short stories. I have read one short story. Oh, I didn't realize you had read one story. <laughs> it is February 17th, and I have read one short story this year. So I think I can only improve by the end of the year. But, uh, you know, come back, same book time, same book channel next year, uh, and I'll give you an update on how many short story books I managed to read this year. We'll see how many of them turn up in your best books of 2024. True, yes. One of them is about trains. Ah. It's, it's, that, it's that like weird train story, short story book that I bought. And I think that is... Yeah, I think that I, I think that is the extent of my resolutions, which is yeah, just to read the stuff I already have is mostly the resolution. Whether the stuff I've already borrowed from the library, or the stuff that I've bought, just read that. Right, borrowed from the library, have on your lists with the library. Uh, yeah, but that's always my like spe specific lists as specific opposed to lists. my general to read list. Yes. Yeah, specific lists with the library, borrowed from the library, or- Short story collections short that stories, I own. Yeah, that you bought. There's, there's two of them next to the bed. The The issue is that, like, I just want to play video games. <laughs> it's the Yakuza, playing the Yakuza games a little bit, like playing a bunch of short stories. Honestly, it really is. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I have been playing Baldur's Gate, and it does kind of feel- I mean, it's very enjoyable, but it also- when you say that reading War and Peace feels like a job, uh, it's more fun than that. But it is also like, I don't have time to do other stuff. I've got to go do my my fantasy job. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more of an epic novel sort of uh, investment. So I've been debating about whether or not to even bother having one. The only reason you're debating is because we do this podcast. Yes. I mean, I would never on my own bother to do one. But because of the podcast, I was debating, do I do one? So I had two ideas. Idea number one is read a book, perhaps multiples. Literally just read books, preferably, please. That's basically it. Because I just have struggled so much. It's not that I haven't read anything. But it has just been a chore. I've been so unsuccessful at finishing anything I pick up. I just have not been getting into things. I've not been – it's just not what I'm doing with my time. Um, I enjoy it for tiny little stretches and then I just don't and I don't come back to whatever it was that I was reading. So that's why I get like a few pages done and then I don't come back. I'm not continuing anything through. So it's basically just like – get through a book or two or three or some. I'm not even setting a limit. I'm just saying read, please, books. That's it. Did any of you read that article that was going around online this year or this week 
about how students can't read anymore. Like university students apparently are really struggling with reading longer pieces. Yeah. So I, I I read one of these articles that was going around and also it came up at a work meeting because we were like reviewing some like document related to literacy that uh, the school district put out. Um, and there was someone cited in there that somebody at the meeting was like, oh, I just listened to a whole podcast about why this literacy person is bad, actually. <laughs> um, um, the podcast was called Sold a Story. I have not listened to it yet. Uh, I'd be interested to, but it is about how um, in the early 2000s, so in, in the United States, in the the No Child Left Behind era, where when um, I mean, I don't know how I haven't disclaimer. I haven't listened to it, but uh, yeah, uh, student assessment was very like driven in a particular way, and um, for students that were falling behind, they like introduced they they were moving away from um, like phonics instruction and moving towards like oh here's these other methods we can use to help students get caught up. Um, and then they worked great short term and worked really poorly long term. Um, and so now there's like, you know, I'm sure depending so much on like where you lived and what other kinds of support you were getting, but, um, yeah, that there is like a, a, a real difference in the kind of reading instruction that people got that meant that like college people hitting college age now, um, struggle with some like very basic reading skills that they just never got taught. And academic writing is so different from anything you've probably read up to that point that it it can be a bit it's a big change. Yeah, oh yeah, it's 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 an adjustment anyway. Yeah, even if you are like a big uh, uh, somebody who reads a lot, it is a big adjustment. Even someone who literally is an academic reading this stuff can be is is really hard sometimes, you know, and and it's not as easy as reading other stuff and getting your mind into a frame where you can read large chunks of it um, take takes work, you know? I feel like this same discourse was current when I was in library schools like a decade ago about how people were having challenges in deep focus or reading long form without, you know, taking Twitter breaks or whatever it was that was distracting them. And it feels like we just haven't been able to work out a way to live our lives surrounded by intensely distracting things all the time. Like the things have not gone away and uh, it's still a challenge. Megan, I think you'll find that Twitter has in fact gone away. <laughs> <laughs> Goes away pretty quick if you just quit. <laughs> it's been replaced by multiple other things, but Twitter itself has gotten away from me. Yeah, I I think all the time about something that um, Hank Green said, which is that future generations are going to look at social media the way that we look at uh, cigarettes now, where just like, you know, 50 years ago, just everyone smoked in every environment. And that just seems wild. We're like, wow, how bad for everyone that just everyone was smoking cigarettes, like all the time in airplanes around babies, just whatever. And like, you know, 20 or 30 years from now, it's, I, I do think there's going to be like a, a reckoning of like, gosh, that was so bad for all of us. <laughs> like, I can't believe we didn't, we didn't have more limits on, on this. Um, yeah. I kind of agree, Megan, that I feel like that 
uh, conversation around like the struggling to uh, maintain sustained reading uh, was a thing, you know, a few years back when we were going through our library programs. Um, but I feel like the focal point of the conversation has shifted a little bit. I feel like back then it was more about all of us dealing with that universally is more of a like universal condition for adults, for like everyone. And now it's become this panic around the children a little bit more that I feel like is, is, it's still coming. It still has some ties to that, but I feel like it is much more focused on a panic around the children and how are the children doing. And I feel like it's, in that way, it is somewhat uh, reshaped itself around the pandemic and and our fears about what the pandemic did to our society long term. So it's just reshaped itself around new conditions and new fears and new concerns in the culture. Like I've been in conversation groups with teachers who are like, yeah, the the couple of waves of children that came through the schools after all the like the lockdowns and the Zoom training and or. Zoom schooling or whatever it was going on just were like, had regressed, basically, and just had so much emotional maturity and socialization and all kinds of things to catch up on. And it's still like, a struggle. And I'm not surprised like that. That was a terrible time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I do feel like even if it's not suggesting that the start point was from the pandemic, it is sort of the reason why the focus has shifted into that area is because of that fear um and yeah that because it's legitimate that that was hard for all of us but boy like anybody kids going through that time you have so much less security and so much less capacity to deal with that and so much less control over your life as a whole to watch everybody else's sense of control crumbling too and all of that happening like man like i i am grateful i was not a kid during the pandemic. I was not <laughs> young <laughs> during that time, frankly. So I have a different theory for this. I'm sh I think that probably has definitely maybe accelerated existing trends. But my theory is that literacy and like mass literacy is not a common or historic thing. And that us as millennials came up in this very specific time period where I saw someone describe millennials recently as the only generation that understands technology because it grew as we were learning. And so we were able to learn as the technology grew, which I think is interesting. How this ties into reading is that we started using the internet when it was primarily text-based. And so we had to read if we wanted to use the internet and platforms like that. And I look at things like blogging and journal sites and all of the stuff, sending long emails to people. All of this was was writing things and reading things. And I think a lot of that has gone away as people as as the internet speeds have gotten better and there are different things. So now people don't have to read to use these platforms and sites and communicate with their friends. I think there's a generational thing with how you can interact with technology and how much you have to read to interact with technology. I, I do feel grateful all the time. I don't think it is blanket all millennials understand all technology, but... Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, I, but I do feel grateful all the time that I was like, for the job that I have, that I was in, in, in the years 
using the internet that I was when I was young, because I know just like just enough like HTML um, that if something's not working one way, I can like sort of investigate other ways, you know, uh, do little workarounds because I'm, I'm not like, I don't have like deep coding knowledge. We probably kids going to school now have deeper coding knowledge than I do, but I have just enough that like, uh, in terms of the skills that I need to like help people who are just like at the library. Um, I have lots of little workarounds that I, I just have that I never learned in school that it's just from using the internet when it was not as, as, uh, you know, robust as it is now. It wasn't pretty. It was GeoCities. I I mean, I love <laughs> I love a good GeoCities website. I There's a website, I talked about this on my other podcast, Hark. There's a, a Christmas music website I was on the other day that had little like gifts of rotating Christmas trees. And I was like, oh, beautiful, my heart. <laughs> what occurs to me in that kind of um, discussion is the degree to which we just have to have a little bit of a reckoning around which kinds of literacies are the most essential to communication now and where are we sitting with that. Um, so it's, and it's like, none of these are necessarily things I 100% I don't ascribe to all of these myself. Mm -hmm. Um, these are just more like observations about how, how these conversations are occurring and what kind of things are getting said, um, and shared and sort of what some of the, um, impact factors are. But I do think it is an interesting thing to think about how much technology is changing the way we we share, we communicate, and we collaborate, and how far that scope is for everybody. And that that is just a massive scale of reckoning that we all have to do. And some people are in just different places in terms of that than others. Like I, I always think to one thing I think about sometimes, like you mentioned Hank Green, and I think about how his job by necessity has put him in a place where he thinks about this stuff so much all the time. And he is in a very different mental space about it than a lot of other people who are actually the ones who make decisions about how we get to or don't get to <laughs> interact with or value different skills and literacies necessary for the world today. And I just think that that is, you know, the endless challenge of like, who gets to authority wise tell you how you should or shouldn't be able to read or listen or write or make videos or communicate in any way. Uh, and who gave that person that authority? And how did they get that authority? And what kind of background are they bringing to that? And you know, is that a problem? <laughs> well, I also think about like the, the conversation I've seen around this haven't talked about how the subjects students are taking in university have dramatically changed over the last couple of decades um, to the point where like there are a lot fewer students in the humanities than there used to be. And I think that's true. That also is an element of this. Okay. I ju it just occurs to me as we're having this conversation, which is very interesting. Weren't we talking about resolutions at some point or another? <laughs> <laughs> We'll get back there. We'll get back there. Um, I remembered the thing that I was going to say, and I forgot, which is that there is a, a scene in uh, M.T. Anderson's Feed, which is a YA novel from like the early 2000s, um, that I feel like 
was so so prescient about um uh like especially what you were saying matthew about like the internet being so image-based now it being less less text heavy where there's a scene i remember where the protagonist has the feed um so is like connected to the internet with his brain all the time um and is talking to somebody who is i read this like 20 years ago when it came out so i may get some things wrong but um talking to somebody who's essentially like a luddite is like you know old-fashioned and has this like um uh you know a piece of text that that he like wants him to read um and the protagonist is like what's in it and the guy's like you have to read it. Um, and the protagonist, and it's like a scene where it's already like, he's already emotional about something else. And so he's like, just tell me what's in it. Uh, and he's like, no, you have to read the words. And he was like, but you could just tell me what's in it. And he's like getting very upset. And like, you know, I think there, um, is a, a temptation to, to, uh, empathize with the, uh, the old Luddite who's like, just read, just read the damn thing. Um, but uh, I feel so much empathy for the like teen protagonist in that moment of like, of like, but you could tell me, you could just explain it to me. Um, and you know, it's going to be so much harder for me to read it. So why won't you help me? <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and it is um not necessarily coming from a place of of laziness, but just a, a place of like it is so much easier for you to do that than for me to do that. This is just a skill a skill gap that exists, and how are we going to bridge that? Mm-hmm. And how sometimes it just makes more sense to like tell someone the information or show them how to do the thing instead of making them read a text and then try to like do that thing. Like we we talk about it when we talk about crafting books and stuff like that. We wouldn't read the book. If we wanted to learn how to do the thing, we would ask someone to help us or watch a YouTube video about it. Right. Like, right. yep. Absolutely. I, yeah, this ties back to what I was saying about like, who has the authority to tell us what literacy, which types of literacy of which ways matter when you get to use them and, and what's valued about them. And it makes me think too, a little bit back about, um, from the academic side, what we run into sometimes is um, faculty who came up in a sink or swim situation, right? Where like their t- the teaching method they went through in order to learn how to do the research process or learn how to do these scholarly skills was throw them in the deep end. And if they can figure out how to do it on their own and do a decent job at it, they're going to be successful uh, in their life. And if they can't, then they they burn out and they go away, right? And that's, they came up in this. And so they figure that's the best way to learn. But that's not true for everyone. And there's so many reasons why that's not possible. And I end up talking with a lot of students who are dealing with those reasons for whom, for instance, English is not their original or primary language. And when you throw them in the deep end on a skill set, plus it's outside of their primary language, in a tradition that is not the same as the one that they were raised and educated in, they might sink or they might swim. But if they sink, it is not because they couldn't do it. It's because you threw them in a deeper ocean with weights on their feet. Right. And like, I'm like, this is a ridiculous, like system and process um, to assume that that's going to work. And, and how can we get better at uh, assuming that scaffolds are constantly needed and how can we build more of those so that more people can make the same 
walk up the the ladder that everybody else, you know, just got thrown at the ladder. They could do it, but some people need the scaffolds, needs the extra pieces to get there. And that's fine. They should still be able to get up the damn ladder. <laughs> they want to. Anyways, okay. Um, so, resolutions of the year, more ladder-related books. Yes. Scaffolding and ladders. I've got to learn how to build scaffolding. It's going to take me a little time. I don't even remember how to do it in Minecraft. I'm, I'm thankful that we don't. our book collection is not so large that we need scaffolding or ladders yeah. yet. <laughs> yet, yet. Oh, but a bookcase ladder is so fun. Yeah. I, I did get to climb one to get some of the short story books I bought when I was in Scotland. There was a bookshop there that had a bookcase ladder that was uh, very fun to use. Uh, it was it was onto like a you know one of the uh, the rails around, so it like curved around and stuff, and so you had to move it. It was neat. Which bookstore was that? Give them a plug. Not toppings. That- I think it was toppings in Edinburgh. Yeah, not that so. that many of our listeners are going to be able to get to Edinburgh and go to <laughs> the random bookstore, but like, hey, toppings in Edinburgh. <laughs> if you're there, check it out. Uh, we man, we were really strapped in for a nice short episode, and then we got on a tangent about literacy. Um, <laughs> I do have one resolution <laughs> that I will mention. Uh, I, I have debated a few things. The, yeah, I think the one I'm actually going to go with, and the one I actually have been doing, um, is reading in public and like specifically reading on transit, um, using my transit time, um, for, for reading, uh, because I like, I love podcasts and I've been doing a lot of podcasts, but I feel like I want podcasts or even, like I have a long commute right now. So I've also been doing like long YouTube videos on, on the, on the bus. Um, but I think that can be a good, like, I'm having a bad day treat um uh to to do one of those and and i want to try to read more and um the public part comes in particular because i feel like uh i a few times um just like in the last couple weeks i've seen people other people reading on the bus and it has like encouraged me to pull out my book and start reading on the bus and specifically i've seen people reading books that i really liked (laughs) Um, i saw somebody reading um uh, a long way to a small angry planet on the bus. And I was like, I love that book. <laughs> I love books. I pull out my book and read it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I did say that I would have two reading resolutions, which for me is like ridiculous. But also one of my resolutions was literally just to read a book all the way through. So <laughs> I feel like I can probably accomplish and not for the podcast, I guess I should specify read a book all the way through, not just because the podcast said I had to. Um, I feel like I can manage that. Um, I have a whole year. I can do it. <laughs> But the other one uh, that I was thinking about, which is more of a random one that I I this is the one where we get to like next year, we're looking at these and I'm like, ha, I'll be really impressed if I actually did this one, um, even though it's not hard, but I'll still like easy for this one to go away out of my head and or just avoid it is to listen to some audiobook fiction because one of the books that I particularly enjoyed in fiction last year was an audiobook for the podcast. It was The Majesties. And I I enjoyed that. It was really it was a good experience. I enjoyed the the listening experience in reading that book. I enjoyed um the getting to walk to work listening to it was nice. 
And mostly my audiobooks have been nonfiction. It's the vast majority of what I listen to in um in audiobooks, mostly because I can kind of like if I need to go backwards, it's easier for me to figure out like where I was because it's kind of fact it's like content based. It's like based on what were they talking about at the moment at which I can remember, oh yeah, that's what they were talking about. Like there's a little more something for my brain to grip to. Um, but also because I often don't really care if I miss little chunks of pieces because it's not plot I'm not missing characters or plot or events that are happening. It's more just like, did I miss a factoid? Oh well, I have one less factoid about that topic. It's fine, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I it, usually it's nonfiction, but I want, I enjoyed that experience. I really liked that audiobook experience and for fiction, and I would like to try more. What was interesting to me too is it was in a genre I would otherwise usually never read, and I still actually had a great experience with that. So I thought, let's try it again. Let's see if I can get there a second time with a fiction audiobook. So that's my second one. But I'm only requiring myself one because I set my resolution so low, y'all. If I can, like, trip and accidentally fall over the top of it, then that is a good resolution for me. <laughs> I just need to take your mouse away. My computer mouse? Yes. Then you can't play Minecraft or Two Point Hospital. I You'll be like, very angry I was going to say, I feel like this has other repercussions that are maybe not ideal. I, I'm not going to do this. Please note, <laughs> I, I am too intelligent for that. <laughs> so what are we going to name this podcast now that it's not just the resolutions? It's also the resolutions and literacy rant podcast episode. <laughs> I, think, I think just the resolutions and literacy Resolutions rant. and rants. Yeah, yeah. yeah, resolution and rants. There we go. Okay. Just to keep the alliteration. Yeah. 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 Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Book Club for Masochists. Find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. If you like the show, subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider giving us a positive rating and or review. And if you've already done that, thank you very much. For all of our URLs and social media accounts, the four in our name is the numeral. You can go to our website at bookclub4m.com. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash bookclub4m. And find us on Instagram at bookclub4m. Our email address is bookclub4m at gmail.com. And if you really want us to be on another platform, social media platform, let us know. Maybe we'll create something. No promises. <laughs> Discord. <laughs> on our website, you can find show notes that will provide links to things that we mentioned, social media info for everyone who appeared on this episode, and our genre-based book lists of titles by authors of color. You can suggest a genre or title for us to read or request a recommendation from us. We have a form that you can fill out on our website. No promises on reading your suggestion, but we will give you a recommendation if you ask. All opinions are our own and do not reflect our places of employment if they exist. Book Club for Masochists is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is To Arrakis by Dark Sun from the Free Music Archive. New episodes are the first and occasionally the third Tuesday of every month. Join us again on Tuesday, March 5th, when we'll be talking about the genre of dark fantasy. Then, on Tuesday, April 2nd, we'll be discussing nonfiction graphic novels and comics.